And tonight we ask, how do we heal global trauma? A year on from the first appearance of COVID-19 in the world, this talk will explore the emotional and physical impact of social distancing and how something that's changed the whole world can be healed. Featuring a strong lineup of super grounded spiritual wise women, host Clarissa Rene talks to Joe Miller, Lena Chen, Megan Bradley and Sivani Marta, goddesses. Thank you for being here. We are at a crossroads that could change the world as we re-emerge from lockdown. What lessons can we take with us and how can we use what we've been through to heal ourselves and each other and the world around us? I'm excited to hear these powerful women talk. So it's over to you, Clarissa. Hey, thank you, Amy. Thank you so much. Hello, guys, and welcome to my beautiful team of beautiful women um, discussing how we heal global trauma. This is a big one and I'm so um, delighted to be part of this. Um, global trauma, we've seen it manifest itself in so many different ways um, and, and so many people around the world affected by it in terms of health, we're dealing with death, we're dealing with domestic violence, child abuse, so many different issues, racism and everything in the mix as a result of social distancing and this horrible pandemic. So I'd like to start first by asking my beautiful panel how it has affected us, how it has affected you as well as your clients, because I think it's so important as practitioners and healers and light workers to also discuss the fact that even though we are practitioners and healers, we also are experiencing these issues um, as well as our clients and the people around us and, and really how that's affected us and them. So uh, Joe, do you want to start? Yeah, I can start. Hey, so how has it affected? Um, how's it affected me? How's it affected people around me? Um, and I think there's a lot of commonalities with that. So I would start with the personal and say, um, yeah, it's just not to be underrated being stripped of natural resources that we have, right? Um, and, you know, for me, social interaction and connection is a real big one. Um, so and um, so I really felt it, you know, and, and one thing that really helped me was just going, this is weird. <laughs> like, just really owning this is weird. Like, this is really unprecedented in certainly in my time. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I can speak to kind of other kind of things that I did to do that. But, yeah, I just, it, it's been really weird. It's been really tough at times. You know, I have um, the majority of my family, close family live overseas so, you know, being sort of stripped of sort of seeing them for, for, for that sort of natural nourishment. And, um, and I work um, pretty extensively with trauma as a somatic therapist. Um, and, you know, what I've seen come in is, you know, people being stripped of natural resources and um, feeling helpless, which is when we can't see the trauma right because this is this started with something that we can't see and, and still can't which is a feeling of helplessness and what that does when somebody is feeling helpless that will um, more often than not trigger old childhood trauma from when someone has not had the agency or known how to deal to get resources to help or had well-regulated parents to help them deal with that so actually what I've seen is people come in and 
there has been this sense of help, sense of helplessness, but actually what is triggered um, is a lot of old childhood trauma. Now, I also see that um, I, I'm so positive about the human condition. What I've also seen in this is a concept that, you know, I live and breathe, which is post-traumatic growth. So there has been an awful lot working through that, an awful lot of post-traumatic growth, which has then really enabled people to um, be with a lot of that, to work through that, and then to contribute to society in a hugely different way. So I've seen the spectrum, um, you know, and, and seen a lot of that spectrum in myself as well. So, and, and I, you know, I think that may speak to a lot of people. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree, though, especially what you were saying about um, the trauma, how it manifests itself, uh, you know, and whether or not you have parents that are able to help, you, you know, to support you through that or whether you come from that. Savani, what's been your experience, uh, both personally and with people that you are around and clients? Yeah, um, I really resonate a lot with what... Um, Joe has just been sharing particularly this um, theme of kind of past things rising to the surface particularly like old childhood teenage things that were never dealt with I'm really I've been finding that for myself noticing lots of things coming up to well the positive way to <laughs> to welcome that in is to to be healed it's like a chance to revisit it mm. and and go okay well I never really dealt with this the first time round, and um look at ways to support um what's arising and um mm. I've noticed a lot of my friends and a lot of uh people that I am sharing in zoom space with <laughs> um are having this similar mm. thing of oh this is coming up and this is coming up and mm. and for me what's been really really helpful in this time is is to to approach myself and not just myself but the others around me with I'm really trying to anchor in the in the theme of of kindness and gentleness and this thing of like this is something huge, something that none of us could really get our heads round, still can't get my head around it, can't really imagine what what's next on the path, anything like that. It's like really calling us to, to be present, to be in the now. I'm really feeling this like, it's like the stillness and presence and simplicity of of life which has so much preciousness to those things um but it's not necessarily something that we're all so used to we're used to future planning or past thinking or and it's like no we're forced to be in the moment and there's some something really magical about that but it's really it can also be really fierce and you're forced to perhaps deal with not only the trauma that is happening as a result of what's now, but what's arising to the surface because we're actually having the chance to be still and listen to ourselves. And so what's really present is this like, um, yeah, how, how do I bring sweetness 
to my inner gaze and to my outer gaze how do I respect everyone's boundaries everyone's different ways of dealing with this and responding to this it's like that's the big theme for me like respect and gentleness (laughs) yeah yeah I hear that I love what you said about anchoring in kindness um you know that's something that is so so needed and also a lot of people don't know how to do that you know it's learning these things you know you talk about being in the presence um, a lot of people don't want to do that, but literally don't want to do that in itself is triggering and causing trauma because, you know, they don't want to be dealing with, with past issues. They don't want that, you know, and we're forced in, in this um, social distancing lockdown, we're forced to um, put our gaze onto things that we never wanted to deal with, like, you know, and so, yeah, that is, that is you know, that's a really important point. Um, Lena, what's been your experience? Um, yeah, hi everyone. Thanks for being hi. part of this conversation with me. Um, I, I think that, yeah, a lot of what's been said, um, I've seen reflected in my own communities as well. Um, mm-hmm. Unresolved trauma coming to the surface. But at the same time, I've seen a lot of resilience. Um, and in my work with Heal Her, which um, specifically supports survivors of sexual violence and gender-based violence um, and uses the expressive arts to do so, um, I think that there are many members of our community who've taken on um, greater positions of, of leadership, um, who want to facilitate opportunities for people to come together because perhaps, you know, they've come from personal experience of trauma. I certainly have. And through that experience, I also think that there's um, a strength of resilience that Joe kind of hinted at, this post-traumatic you know, traumatic growth. Um, and so, you know, when you have had something so serious interrupt your life in the past, um, when a pandemic hits or when some other kind of social crisis hits, perhaps there are, there are coping mechanisms you know, that trauma survivors have, have adopted. And mm-hmm. I don't want to romanticize it because, you know, it's, um, you know, some of these experiences that of course wouldn't wish upon anyone, but I do think that, that what it means is that sometimes it's, it's the people who've been through the most pain, the most suffering who are in these moments actually able to act as those anchors, those pillars of strength for their community. And I've really seen Heal Her and um, our our global network um, of artists and therapists and facilitators um, step up to the challenge. And it's it's been very, you know, rejuvenating and inspiring for me personally. Um, I'm in the States right now, which is my native country, but I lived in Europe for six years and I haven't been able to go back to where so much of that project is based. Um, But just seeing other people continue that work um, has been very, um, yeah, it rejuvenates me every day. Um, And so I think there's also a lot of hope that's come out of this situation. And I think that there's a lot more attention also to how how fragile our, our networks are and how there are so many people who get left behind, caregivers and single parents, um, the yeah. racial inequities are, are seriously exacerbated, the gender inequities are seriously exacerbated, and you see who is bearing the brunt of all this, right? And and the hope is that, you know, we, we don't just move on from this crisis and pretend like everything's okay, um, but that this is a moment that we really mobilize for change that has long been necessary. Yeah, totally. It's been such an eye-opening time. And the thing you said about resilience, 
It is amazing, isn't it? We are so resilient. We are so amazing. I think, like you were saying, there's so much hope because people have really found their inner strength throughout all this. They've really had to draw for it. And I think that more needs to be said about how proud we should be of ourselves and how we've been able to navigate this and just hang in there, you know, and also reach back to others and tell them the same thing. But that needs to be continued totally. I totally agree with that. It's such a good one. Megan, what's been your experience? Hey, love. <laughs> I, uh, um, I mean, it's it's been a really traumatic time for me. Um, it's, you know, no secret that... It's, you know, I've had a lot of different struggles. I think being a bricks and mortar business and having that close um, was was extremely difficult. And actually what it's brought up for me is the fact that like my security net or like the, the very bottom of my hierarchy of needs is really entrenched in financials. And I know that no one's really touched on financials yet, but this has been a real, I think, you know, this, this kind of like rumbling at the bottom for so many people. And, and especially I think when you're in bubbles of freelance and, you know, everyone in the creatives and my wife runs a music business. And, and I think for me, because I grew up with not a lot of money, I've now, you know, I live in this state of scarcity and fear. A businesswoman and as someone who is, you know, running a a relatively successful business, I kind of got control over that. And, so that's really been this rumbling that started getting louder and louder. Um, and also I'm a type A personality. I love to plan. I love to, you know, be very strategic in where I'm going. And all of those tools were, were taken away. You can't plan. You can't project. You can't do your financials. And it's all, you know, relatively boring, that stuff. But if it's the crux of kind of your safety and your control center, um, it can throw everything else off. And I think that for me has been one of the most traumatic things. And then also going through fertility treatment in the first lockdown, we were in the middle of treatment and all that treatment was canceled. And I think as amazing as social media can be, and I think you have to learn how to make social media work for you. At times it, it was extremely difficult, you know, people talking about, oh, another lockdown pregnancy, another lockdown baby. But if you are in a same-sex relationship or if you need fertility help, that was taken away. So what someone else is celebrating, you know, that's a right that's been been taken from you. And, and so many people, you know, not being aware of different treatments that, that didn't go ahead anymore. Um, and I think in terms of the clients that I work with, my yoga studio was a space to go and heal. Like the whole setup, it being inside a pod, it being shaped like a womb, it being dark. Like it was just this space and people, you know, they wouldn't always talk about it, but you could tell they would come in and it would be their safe haven and they would be able to let go and release. And I think just having these healing spaces not available. And, you know, we're talking about doing Zoom classes zoom yoga classes like it it just doesn't have the same energy like obviously I've been doing loads of it and it has been incredible but it doesn't provide the same space and the same change and the same relationships that you would have and I guess as well this idea of touch I'm just missing touch so much luckily I have a very needy dog so I just cuddle him constantly um but I think as practitioners, you know, t- 
touch is so much a part of what we do and it's so much a part of yoga teaching and the practice and it feels very much again like like a tool has been taken away like a limb has been taken away and I think that is where for me the customers that I work with they're really uh missing that and loads of the the clients that I work with they haven't been able to transfer to zoom because the actual space is so important to them. Um, So that's where I've kind of seen a lot of trauma kind of emerge because I have people messaging me and just saying like, what can I do? Because I don't, you know, my, I've got kids running around or I don't have enough space in my house. And, you know, it's great this idea of all these fitness classes of all these different things happening on zoom, but not everybody has luxury of you know, a quiet moment. Um, so I think that for many people has just been difficult, you know, especially if you're homeschooling, like when, when do you fit it in? Um, but, you know, on the flip side, I've created a, a an online membership, which almost feels like a studio and the community that has formed from that membership is incredible. And they're, they're just the most connected people and they didn't know each other and you know I I had a a student message me today saying I know this seems really silly it has nothing to do with yoga but I have this mental health problem that I I just want to chat to you about and I think what Zoom and what online teaching has done is it's allowed us to open communication in a different way and I think people are far more comfortable to communicate in a way that they didn't before because because this is the only form that we have. And it almost makes you more comfortable to, to perhaps ask for more from, from the teachers or the healers that you're working with. Yeah, totally. I totally get that. Um, it's great what you said about the financials as well at the start of that, Megan, because obviously everyone's so terrified and affected by that in all different sorts of ways and worried about the future. And um, as we're saying, the trauma is so widespread, you know, and, um, Joe, like you were saying before, that sometimes um, we need to we need to actually inform, you know, people who are in the space who are in the space because of yoga, of wellness, of healing, already are aware of how trauma can manifest and are in somewhat more self-aware. Um, but Joe, you were saying that you know it's important to actually say. And to, to put out there what, what we mean when we talk about uh, trauma during this social distancing pandemic. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can speak to that quite a bit. I think there's, um, I think, um, you know, our, our collective understanding of trauma has, um, and the demystification of it and the de-shaming of it has been a seismic shift and understanding of it over the last kind of 30 to 40 years which is, you know, which is amazing. But I think there's still some understanding that sometimes, because, and I, and I think this was touched on um, by Savina, sometimes it's the bit that we don't want to look at. So yeah. so there can be a reaction that says, actually, trauma is something else that happens. So it's, I understand it, but it's something, something that happens to somebody else. And one of the best um, and, and simplest ways um that that I think to to define trauma that that I've ever been trained is is anything that is too much too fast too soon when we don't know how to access the resources to cope with it Mm -hmm. and 
And if you think just granulize that for a moment too much, too fast, too soon, what that can actually mean is it doesn't necessarily need to be a big T, you know, something, a big shock trauma that's happened or a big um, adverse childhood experience. Actually, the too much bit can be anything that just over time breaches the nervous system. And that can be what I call tiny little cuts. So, for example, you know, the example I use if kind of like you imagine going home to your partner for six months, really excited to tell them about your job or your day. And, you know, for six months, you just get a kind of whatever, you know, actually, eventually that's going to feel too much. Um, So um, I think in the through the lens of that. I think then we can understand that actually trauma specifically in this period when, again, if you take that sentence of cannot access the normal resources, which for a lot of us is being in relation to to others that we feel safe with, Mm -hmm. um, then you can understand that actually it is something that um, consciously or subconsciously um, will have impacted the the majority of people, you know, it's a, it's a prevalent thing right now. And um, so I think it's great that there's some understanding. I think, um, you know, I, I, I pretty work extensively with this through the body. You know, that's the lens that I work with as a somatic therapist. So I think understanding it is one thing and it can provide some level of agency towards working with it. Again, I think as as Savina touched on, this is this is really about being completely non-judgmental about any of that stuff that comes up. You know, that's and like really being um guided towards being just looking in in the smallest doses through the kindest lens at what these emotions are and what these sensations are that are being brought to the surface. Right. And, um, and and that's the bit that, you know, we can, conversations like this are great. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I was just say to anybody listening, actually, on that note, conversations like this are great, um, but they can also raise things as well. So just as a bit of a hygiene, like that thing as we're going through this, like if you feel, actually, I feel really triggered by this, like don't feel obliged to stay, you know, come back and watch the replay when you feel better. Or, you know, you're not just feeling as sticky in your body or or as triggered or as overwhelmed and move around a bit, you know, just kind of, I think that's always really kind of good just to sort of, um, yeah, anyway, sort of sidetracked then, didn't I? I don't know where I went from. Yeah, so, let, you know, it's about kind of touching in. Yeah, it's about touching into um, understanding what, what, what trauma is and touching in and allowing others to do that in the presence of mm-hmm. of each other is that is that is undeniably significant being able to just be heard be met exactly where you're at with no um counseling no 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 force to kind of move it and be positive about something actually just to really give something air and to not label it, you know, not label something as bad, you know, pain is part of the human condition, but we've been intellectualized for so long that we, we generally don't know, you know, it's been a big journey for me, you know, I have, I have a 
library as big as anything out there. But, you know, the work for me, like personally over the last, you know, kind of 20 years on and off and really extensively the last 10 years has been that journey of um, being able to to be with be with that um, and not and not judge it. So I think, yeah, I think understanding that trauma is prevalent and um, and with as much honesty um, and sincerity as possible, being able to be with somebody um, and and just hold and listen is, you know, it's 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 not to be underrated. We heal we. Yeah. We, we wound in relation and equally we heal in relation to others mm-hmm. so um yeah you know it's great that there's loads of information out there mm-hmm. um the work is done in in relation and in in, in many other ways and um, yeah so I think thanks. that's thanks Joe no yeah really really important um we had a message from Karina hi Karina saying hi ladies good to listen to all your perspectives and learn I've been a holistic therapist for over 30 years and I have a feeling I'll be very busy after this pandemic as people are opening their minds and hearts to help them change in a positive new way. Totally true. Thanks for that, Karina. Thank you. And um, also we have a question, another quick question for you, Joe, from Alex. Well, Alex says beautifully explained and Katie says, what is a somatic therapist, Joe? I'm just looking at that now. Yeah, thanks. Hi, Alex. Thanks for that. So soma relates to um, the Greek word of the body. And um, yeah, it it basically, if you think about going to a talking therapist, um, this is possibly the easiest way to kind of explain. If you think about going to a talking therapist, Mm -hmm. a talking therapist will work with the neocortex of thinking brain and talk through that in the hope that that will then affect the limbic emotional brain, in the hope that that will then affect the the brain stem, which works with our nervous system. Mm -hmm. So that's called top down. Um, What I do is work bottom up. So we work at the root of where trauma comes in to the body. Um, And how the body reacts, actually, I would say, to trauma in the moment isn't a bad thing at all. It's actually a beautiful design, mm. but because we've over-intellectualized and because we don't have the capacity to breathe in or have the resources, mm. what happens is then that forms different patterns. So, um, so we work bottom up. We work the nervous system, so that that can then affect the limbic system and the emotions that then kind of get triggered and re-triggered, and then that then that kind of reforms or takes out old patterned ways of behavior. And it's, um, um, you know, it, it's, it's a relatively, I, I say this cautiously, it's a relatively new body of work. Actually, a lot of the principles, um, you know, I recognize come from, um, you know, some very old shamanic ways of working. Um, there's some yogic principles in there. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a newer body of work in, in Western um society but actually it has a lot of roots in a lot of old ways of working thank you joe um okay guys so how do we heal global trauma i'm and when i when i first saw this question i thought it's such a big one because we're talking 
globally, but also culturally, whether, you know, in the UK alone, you have so many different cultures. How do we heal on a global scale, but also culturally make such a difference? So, um, for example, myself as a hypnotherapist, I, I find that hypnotherapy being one of the, the most um, the fastest affecting ways of healing. But as we're all from different disciplines, it would be great to hear from you how you feel you feel global, how you know you heal um, global trauma and maybe talk a little bit about how what you do and how you've been doing that. So should we start with you, Sabani? Sure. Um yeah, and I uh <laughs> I really echo that this is like such a big question. Right. Um, and for me actually what's needed because I actually find the 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 bigness of the question quite traumatic in itself because it's like it's so that it's like you need such a wide perspective to include like you said every different culture every different kind of person like it's huge you know every different experience that everybody has has been through Mm -hmm. and um for me what I'm really what is part of my my life path and and what I what really resonates with me is is to start small to start home to start with myself to start inwards and um one of the only quotes I know of the Dalai Lama actually (laughs) is like this thing he says um um, you can't achieve world peace without first achieving inner peace and it goes on but it's like Mm -hmm. I feel like the first step towards global trauma is to actually honor and recognize the trauma that's arising for us inside to Mm -hmm. to to nourish ourselves to find everyday ritual that supports that whatever that is for you like Mm -hmm. like you said Clarissa we've all got different healing modalities I am my my personal practice I work a lot in um, circles of women and the healing that comes from sharing in a space actually something that Joe was saying earlier I, I really resonates with this this kind of work of just to simply be heard can be so healing <laughs> right. not, like to be just have someone listen to what's happening and not try and fix you just to hear it and that's it full stop you know and to share that and once you start hearing what other people are going through there's something about that resonance of knowing that you're not alone in what you're living even right. if you're not fixing each other's stuff you're right. just like I hear you and there's mm-hmm. something so healing in knowing that we're all walking this together mm-hmm. and sometimes we forget that when 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 we isolate and we don't talk about what we're living right. and um so yeah there's this thing of of being in circle and and sharing and the other work I do is 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 a kind of devotional practice uh, I sing um it's uh, bhakti yoga the the practice of kirtan it's like a, a to to sing from the heart um to, mm. to connect with creation with mm. with nature through 
these heart songs and it's very non-mindy which I find really helpful it like takes me out of my bullshit you know it's like whatever's going on in your head it's like you you don't think about it and there's not a particularly cognitive understanding of what happens but I find that for me the practice really helps shift things and 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 I fully appreciate it's not something that is for everybody. Not everybody resonates with with this practice. But I, I think what's key is to find something that makes you feel at peace, that makes you feel home, whether that is sitting and just taking a few deep breaths or like going out and hugging a tree, like I find nature connection really helpful. And particularly as we're coming, you know, mm-hmm. that winter has been hard for a lot of us, like not only with everything that we've been living, but to be living that through the dark months, um, for those of us in the Northern hemisphere, these last few months, it's like, I'm, I'm so excited. Every time I see a new flower in my garden, I'm like, oh, and now the hellebores are out. Oh, oh, when is the primrose? And like, like just finding that simple pleasure, this like the the brightness, and 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 that's something that's been such a gift of this time for me. I spent so much of my life traveling, and like since I was a kid, I was almost moving around. My mum's a fashion stylist. I travelled with her, and I then went to boarding school. I was back and forth, and and then in my own work retreats and I'm like moving 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 Mm. and to actually experience the entire year every season every little nuance of nature's dance in one place has been so precious and that like how do we connect with the simple pleasures and Mm. I feel like that's just been such a nourishing thing that's really supporting my whatever's happening in the internal world or like there has been some really not just through the whatever you know the general day-to-day of of living with the knowledge of the of the virus and people getting it and all of that stuff but also you know friends who who've passed in this time and and the 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 some of the things that have arisen as a result of being locked down and, and, and everything that have been like beyond uh, yeah. comprehend, comprehensible, like they're just, just such fierce stories that have, that have been arising and mm. like so much shock that relating to what has happened with some of my friends in this time. And like, there's nothing I've been able to to do. Like it's like it's just like oh, they that you just lose all words. But then it's like okay, but I can go and like walk outside, and oh, the berries are here, and now I'm like just coming back to the simplicity, coming back to the gentleness, and and not being so hard on myself when I do fall apart when I am like crying in a ball on the floor, like some days are like that and that's okay. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, just that 
again that gentleness and kindness and and compassionate and and to know my boundaries and and I think this is really important as we re as we negotiate going forward and 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 dance whatever I'm not into the term going back to normal it's like that there's no going back we we move forward with whatever happens mm -hmm. but like I like how how do we navigate that and and where is it? everybody has different boundaries of what we're living and and to to respect that and also be like okay so like I'm not used to being around lots of people anymore like right. when I next see like a group of people mm. I might only be able to do that for like an hour and then have to you know like how do we find a balance of actually the preciousness of of the alone time and the preciousness of being all together and hugging and and yeah. and it's like there, there's beauty in both and I want to learn and weave what I've learned in this this time and as I'm well sure. as mm. as well as embrace and be with everybody again um, mm. yeah 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 so true so true um, Lena, how would you how 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 would you see it um, in terms of healing this global trauma? How do you work with it? Um, well, both in my practice as a social practice artist, um, as well as um, the co-founder of Heal Her, a lot of this work revolves around creating safer spaces for people to both share their stories of trauma and to witness each other's stories. Mm -hmm. um, and as others have said, you know, there's power and presence and witnessing. Um, and I think we underestimate in, in a culture where we're often told to use our voice, um, what it means to slow down and listen and yeah. use our ears and to really be there with someone and so that's what heal her really does, you know, and, and art is a tool, right? We use really holistic approaches, um, understanding that different people speak different languages and some people are going to respond better to an activity that involves song. Someone else is going to express themselves visually. Um, we always try to build in some movement into our talking circles. Uh, these are not new tools. It's just that we're applying them specifically to the treatment of trauma and finding ways to make people feel um, feel heard, to feel safe, to feel like they can share. Um, and these precious spaces are, are temporary spaces. We understand that, you know, we do what we can in that moment for each other. And then we have to go back to our own lives, right? And hopefully we've taken some tools with us that are useful and that are valuable. Um, one thing that's obviously been very difficult is that that experience of of being physically there for someone and mm -hmm. you know having this instantaneous trust where you're in a room and you can read each other's body language and and all of that that's a bit missing right now right so i mean yeah. heal her we we were planning our first um global facilitators training in march pretty much like a year ago when all the lockdown measures mm -hmm. came into place and we've been so looking to be to, to looking forward to the chance to be together physically working with each other's voices and bodies and feeling all of that in the same space. And, you know, we adapted the programming so that we could do it virtually. And 
in some ways we had to compromise on what our, our dream vision was, but in Mm -hmm. other ways, it really enabled people from other places who wouldn't have been able to travel to Berlin to participate and it helped our, our community grow. So, I mean, you know, there are upsides and downsides to everything. And I think I'm learning through this process that, you know, I don't need to know everything. There are so many things I learn from my collaborators. Um, Heal Her also is specifically about, you know, you don't need to know everything there is to know about, you know, therapy and containment. You don't have to be a professional mental health, professional mental health, and you don't have to be a professional artist. That these are two fields um, that can learn a lot from each other and that there, there are certain tools that each of us use that we can share. And that when we come together in these spaces, in a collaboration, we create opportunities um, for other people to have their trauma shared and witnessed, but also from the people who are facilitating the spaces to learn from each other. And that's been really important. And that learning continues to happen, you know, in whatever whatever format (laughs) suits the time. Um, But I know that for myself personally, like, as much as I do work in this field, like I still have to give myself permission to slow down. You know, I, I need to make sure I'm also dancing and singing and meditating when I'm not just holding space for others and that I'm doing this in my own life. And so I think that's the number one thing when you're, when you're doing this type of work to give those opportunities for self-care and maybe you have an accountability buddy where, you know, you're not just accountable for deadlines and, and productive work, but you're also accountable for, for making sure that you're, you're tending to your needs and, and um, doing what you need to do so that we can do this work over the long term because it's, uh, it's still going to be necessary <laughs> more than ever. Totally. Totally. I had, I had another question actually touching on that, Lena. We may not have time for it. Um, and just quickly, Mika, before we come to you, I just wanted to um, read out what Karina is also saying. How do you ladies feel that the medical approach to the pandemic um, and illness? And, and all illness, can they open up to your ancient wise teaching? Um, Sylvia's saying, The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk is an amazing book that I'd recommend if anyone is interested in the mind-body connection. Um, so who wants to quickly answer that? Um, Karina's question, how do you ladies feel that the medical approach, about the medical approach to the pandemic? And can they, can we open up to ancient wise teachings? Who wants to quickly answer that before Megan? Megan? I can do I can speak to that a little bit if you want just I have a I have a data point which is which is um not the whole picture um because I don't know the answer to that actually um but but I do have I do have a data point which is at the very start of the pandemic um I was involved in setting up a trauma helpline for health workers um, so that was specifically for health workers um, over the globe, doctors, nurses, and there were about 120 trauma professionals who all came together to set up this helpline. Wow. And um, and that was, you know, we had to kind of like show that it was, you know, some neuroscience, but actually a lot of the techniques that they were <clears throat> kind of like short clinics where people could come in. Mm-hmm. And um, what... Um, and, and actually what we were teaching was a lot of centering, which again is based on yogic wisdom. <laughs> and um, and they were really well received by uh, the medical community for their own um, resourcing in that time. Mm-hmm. And we also included in that actually small breakout rooms where, where 
um, medical professionals could talk to each other, not about clinical expertise or what was happening, but just come together in this short space and community. And, And actually, that was one of the most powerful things that people said was really powerful for them. So I think, you know, I don't know the answer. Um, what what I do have is some direct experience that says, um, you know, this just stuff works. So, you know, whatever you do, you know, speaking to kind of anybody that is in any profession, in any way you hold space for any other people, continue to do it. Yeah, because it's, it's not, not what, what none of us are built different. Scientists aren't built differently. <laughs> Doctors aren't built differently. We're all built of the same stuff. So if we continue to do this and continue to share this work with as many people, then, um, you know, my belief is from that small data point and direct experience that, you know, it starts to seep in. Totally. I hope that answers as best as possible. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, I hope that answers your question, Karina. Thank you for that. Thank you, Sylvie. Megan, what's your take on healing global trauma? Well, I mean, like Shivani said, it's it's massive. I just wanted to touch on the um, medical world with the sort of more spiritual healing. And I think, I don't know if it's ever going to come from the top that they're going to say yoga and somatic healing and kirtan and all of this is great. Let's put some funding behind it. And let's support it. And, you know, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I can hope, but, you know, it might not be when I'm around, but what I can say and something that's been incredible during, during lockdown is I have now three partnerships with osteopaths and physios, and it's about making that connection. And we actually have been doing zoom calls with the patient with their osteopath and me. And we've been talking about, okay, this is the physical trauma that they've been having, but then what's the mental, like the body keeps the score. That is such an incredible book. And that when we have a physical trauma, it affects us mentally we you can get depressed over an injury you can have all of this emotional stuff that's kind of tied within this injury so then I start to work with them with breathing with restorative yoga with yoga nidra um and it's this holistic approach of of really kind of working with the body the mind the soul with the trauma that they've been dealing with physically and emotionally and I think that has been massive, a massive shift and a real kind of eye opener as well for the client who, you know, goes and does their once a week little um, physio or osteopath appointment, but then doesn't really take it beyond that. And then they can see how this connects to, to the yogic practice. So I think, I think it's about us as healers making these connections with the doctors and the osteopaths and the therapists that are in our community and figuring out a way to collaborate and to work together. Um, And I think that's where the kind of shift is going to happen. And so that side note about medical stuff. But I think I think if we are going to be healers, if we are going to deal with other people's trauma, it does really have to start with us. like Shivani was saying, and I think for myself, one of the ways that I've really dealt with the traumas that have happened to me over the last 12 months is, is writing about it, is being open about really difficult topics like miscarriage. And I think on maybe not so much a yogic healing of trauma, but the amount of women who I have made connections with and like really, really strong connections with have spoken to, have found like women that have been in my life forever 
but I had no idea that they'd had one, two, three miscarriages and that, you know, all the trauma that they were dealing with and how it mirrored so much to, to the experiences that I've been having. And I think, you know, there are so many different nuances to trauma and so many different mm-hmm. experiences but this idea of not feeling alone. And that's why I started writing about it because I just felt utterly alone, utterly lost. I, I, I didn't know how to heal, but I knew that I loved writing. And I knew that when I wrote about my trauma, it made me feel better. And actually when I put it out into the world, it felt like a release, almost like burning it or saging a room. It just felt like I could like breathe a little bit easier. And I don't think I ever thought about the impact that it would make on other women, But it's so obvious now because when I read about, you know, other women being really open with their trauma and if I connect to that, it it brings me into almost like a a hug of I know what your trauma is. I know that pain of breathing in and feeling your heart breaking. Um, So that has been a real way of me healing, but also I think working with others to heal. And I would say in terms of my own practice and working with others, the two lockdowns have been very different. So in the first lockdown, everybody just wanted to move. They wanted to get physical. They wanted to like burn. And I think everybody had a very different energy. And what I would say is that was great. I was running loads of like really physical workshops. We were doing core workshops. And it was just like body, 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 body. But there has been such a shift in this second lockdown, and I think all of us can attest to it, this slowing down, this kind of like, you know, going internal. And I would say that my practice and what I teach now is almost entirely restorative. It's a lot of yoga nidra holding a space for people to kind of tap into their subconscious and weave safely through the different emotions that they're having really restorative yoga so using bolsters using pillows like all of these Mm. points of touch that they can't get from the outside world but when we wrap ourselves around a bolster or a pillow or we lay a blanket on top of us that weight acts acts Mm. as a healing touch and it's been very very visceral that switch um and I think as practitioners, it's again comes down to listening and feeling that energy of the people that you work with. And I think it it just has, it's changed me as a practitioner because it's more intimate, it's more soft. And it's again, this idea that everyone is on a spectrum from day dot, everybody has been on a spectrum with the pandemic, with how they're feeling. And I think we need to be able to support that spectrum and support the people that we work with in providing a range of of techniques to to kind of help deal with all the different traumas that they're dealing with and right now that's a lot of stillness and slowness with with the people I work with yeah thank you Megan um you made a point there that I was actually going to make too quickly um just before we end it we've already come to the end of this session even though we could talk about it for hours and I love it um was that I was saying I part of what I felt needed to happen in terms of like global healing of trauma was just for us as light workers healers practitioners to come and work together Megan um you've already said that that's happening for you but just so that the word can be spread that much further 
rather than working in isolation with your clients, with your community, but collaborating together to work together, to spread the word and to join resources, um, to connect in that way, to uplift the collective. Um, some really, really great points. Like I wanted to scribble down so many things, but it's been great talking to you ladies. Thank you ever so much. I'm gonna hand back to Amy now because we were five minutes before the end. I cannot believe it. Um, does anything, does anyone have, before I hand back to Amy, does anything, anyone want to say anything anything to add like really quick yeah can I can I just kind of just speak to that how do we heal global trauma very very quickly and I think it's really pertinent actually to 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 the space that we're in mm -hmm. um and I think how do we heal it one we're not going to come out of this healing global trauma actually I think there's going to be a whole set of different things that we challenges it's where we pay our attention that counts um, and, um, you know, attention is such a prayer. It's such a sacred prayer. And paying attention to the emotions as well as the community and the opportunity that have come up, come out of this, I think will be really important. And, and the final point that I want to make is that paying attention and that being able to hold the energy of that um, in the body is a real heart energy. Um, you know, the, the sacred heart, the real kind of, truth of who we are can hold all of that and um and and I think women are really well placed to lead the way with that mm. um you know we 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 understand pain um uh <laughs> yes. a great deal so so I think in terms of uh, yeah I just really wanted to kind of uh, I, I felt that was really pertinent to the discussion and yeah thank you for letting me share thank um, you Joe. Um, Amy, are we? Are you here? We're handing back to you now. Thank you, ladies, so much for participating. So great to be uh, with you all discussing this great topic. But I, I would really recommend finding all of these practitioners and, and, and checking out their work. These conversations have got to keep happening. I'm really moved and grateful to you all. Thank you. It's a massive topic, but powerful things happen when women come together and talk. And we can't do that physically right now. So we work with the tools that we've got. As Lena said, communities can grow from doing things digitally. We covered a lot in this short time. I'm really proud. And I can't thank you enough. Clarissa, always the most amazing host. Thank Sivani. you. So much. Oh, you're just the dream. And Sivani, it's so lovely to see you. Megan, I love you. Lena and Joe, thank you for the wisdom and grace that you've put into the world. And everything you do and the time and energy you gave us tonight. It is a gift to have you join us here at POW and I'm really happy that this talk can live on our YouTube afterwards so future viewers can relive this conversation. So thank you. I can also vouch for Megan's healing womb-shaped yoga space that I miss so much. <laughs> I want to get back in your womb. <laughs> and Sivani's Kirtan, so Google her. And keep following the POW socials as part of the conversation and thanks again to our speakers tonight and we'll see you next week. Thank, thank you. So Hello, Power of Women! Power of Women! Thank you. Power of Women podcast.